Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to this week's Tech Radio with all the latest from techcentral.ie. Thank you for downloading from the website directly at techcentral.ie using the Downcast or Beyond Pod apps for your smartphone or indeed listening on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. This is our show for the week ending Friday the 1st of May. May... Bank holiday weekend already. And in the lead up to it, uh, if you have young people in the cast, I'm sure you're probably aware that this week has been Tech Week. And up and down the country, as many as 90,000 kids have been working on projects, going to talks and taking part in competitions, all in the name of increasing awareness of science, technology, engineering and maths. So Niall Kitson waves a visit to Dublin Castle today to get a flavour of what's been going on. And here he is. I'm speaking here now with Neve Bush who's Dublin's Startup Commissioner, a relatively new position, and uh, she has been at Tech Week to talk about what exactly? Well, I came here, I was invited to speak to the kids about entrepreneur, being entrepreneurs. So, uh, you know, walking into the room today here at the Printworks and seeing all these excited young kids, um, you know, just brimming with energy and smarts and ideas. You know, I didn't need to say very much. I just looked out in the crowd and was inspired by them and just encouraged them to be open-minded, stay open-minded and and, and keep that curiosity flowing because, you know, the world is changing all the time. There are massive opportunities for new solutions, for innovation, for fixing problems, the smallest to the biggest. and, And they're the ones that are going to make it happen. And we're the generation way before them that are going to thank them for it. And when you see, when you say that you're seeing all these really interesting projects, is there a part of you that's thinking on a practical level, this is good, we can monetize this, or, you know, this might be just better off in an academic circle. Uh, is this how you, you approach projects now? Well, with these kids, you know, they're very young and they're working in teams and they're learning how to code and learning how to put business plans together. So you're really just, again, interested in the fundamentals, which is, you know, have you thought this through? Um, have you thought outside the box? Are you being creative in the way that you're applying and, 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 and putting a formula around the different variables of the business? You're not super concerned about, you know, can this scale? Does it have product market fit? You know, what would the pr- pricing structure be? All the classics that you would be for a business that's actually getting up and running and that's going to be looking for funding and going out there into the market. It's really much more about that creativity, that curiosity, um, that desire to figure things out. And, and, and make something out of nothing. That's the stuff you're looking for. And uh, as kids are sort of ramping up with their sort of tech skills, as, as we've been able to see today, do you think that there's a scope for kids to be equally, maybe not uh, sort of looking at things in a, a mercenary sense that this, this has to be converted into a business, but that business skills can complement what kids are learning in technology? Business skills absolutely have to complement what, what, what they're learning in technology. It's, it's, it's all applied. So, you know, no longer do you have the guy that makes the machine and then the designer that comes in and adorns the machine. The designer and the technologist work together from day one and they put out a blank slate and they figure out 
step-by-step trial and error how they're going to build, design, develop, position, whatever it is that they're creating out of nothing. So the business and the technical skills have to go hand in hand from day one. So we're not just looking at the the double act anymore of the, the sales guy and the boffin. Well, I mean, we, we shouldn't be. You know, I think innovation is all about being very close to customers, understanding the momentum that different ideas and different technologies have and applying what's going on in the real world to technology and vice versa and, and evolving it constantly from there. So, you know, I think, I think it's a much more... The, the confluence is there. The design-led innovation is there. The creativity at every stage of the business is there. I mean, we hear a lot about entrepreneurs now. We hear a lot about startup weekends happening internally in companies to create innovation. We have chief innovation officers. Businesses are not static anymore. They're constantly, constantly evolving. And so, you know, so the sales guy with the, with the, with the boffin, you know, he, he'll, he'll still be there, but he will be part of that team that's innovating on a constant basis as well. And when you've been looking around, was there any project in particular that you went, gosh, that's a, that's a great idea. I wish I'd come up with it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, all of the, the, the teams that I sat down with were doing things, um, you know, in the game space. There was a couple of, of teams doing things in language, which are very interesting, you know, how to learn French using, you know, a, a phrasal kind of focus on, on learning French phrase by phrase. Um, I loved the idea of the, the, the team that did the kind of using rap you know, to learn uh, hard concepts in school, so applying kind of that music and that rhythm and momentum around concepts so that you can learn them more easily. I loved that. That's very close to my heart, you know, music and and uh, and, and and learning together. I think there, there's absolutely a huge empowerment with music that we haven't really turned on yet, so that was very exciting. I, I, I laughed, you know, I saw this um, this nice little coding game that, that, that the Ballymun School had done, and it was called uh, um, Mutant Muntor, and I thought that was very cute, mutant moon tour. You know, I think that, that, that came from somebody's heart and went out there, you know. Thank you very much, Neve. Thank you. I have managed to call her Claire Keneally from Google just before she's gone off to lunch, to, uh, lunch today. Uh, Claire is the Computer Science Education Program Manager for Ireland uh, with Google, who is one of the sponsors at uh, Tech Week. So, Claire, tell us a little bit about Google's involvement today. So Google are one of the sponsors of Tech Week. Um, so uh, Google are very passionate about increasing exposure and access to technology and specific, specifically computer science to all students, regardless of their background. Um, so we were really keen to be involved in Tech Week um, and to reach um, all of the students and teachers around the country, as well as a wider public, to promote awareness about technology and the importance of, of technology in today's world. And when you say sort of reaching out to teachers and students, I, I assume it's slightly more um, sophisticated than a leaflet dropping uh, uh, campaign or just going, hello, we're Google, you might have heard of us. Sure. Well, specifically for Tech Week, we contributed to the activity packs that were sent to schools. So there was a pack for primary school teachers and a pack for secondary school teachers. So we contributed activities from some of our programs, which are available online. Um, so uh, the teachers were able to um, get a sample of the activity in the pack and then there was a URL uh, which pointed them in the 
the direction of the website where they could go and then get access to further resources that we have. So one of the programs that I borrowed resources from is called CS First, Computer Science First, which is an online program to introduce students to computer science concepts um, and to make them excited about computer science and to show them how it's applicable in lots of subject areas. So we've taken a thematic approach to the learning in the CS First syllabus. So there are themes like fashion, game design, storytelling, art, sport, music, to ensure that we're engaging students with their own interests and showing them how you can use code across a range of subject areas. And when you say using code, I mean, we're, we're not jumping into C++ or HTML just yet. We're, we're using something else. Yeah, so we've used Scratch. Um, so before CS First was launched, we did a lot of research into the existing tools and platforms that are out there to introduce students to the basic concepts of computer science. And the results of our research on our data showed that Scratch would be the best option for the age group that we had in mind, which was 9 to 14-year-olds. Um, so it's a fantastic way to get students um, into the basic concepts of understanding the fundamentals of computer science and at the same time allowing them to be really creative and to come up with some really cool and very interesting projects that they love and they're really proud of. Um, and when you talk about sort of going for the 9 to 14 year olds, is, is it that much of a broad church that pretty much anyone and everyone is jumping in or is it still very much the the geek in the corner if you will we've designed it in such a way to try and engage um, a wider range of students and that's why we've decided to partner with schools in the delivery of CS First as well so so that it's there it's being every student in the classroom is being exposed to it and at the very least they're giving it a try and that's all that we really want so that students are then more informed and if they realise then after trying it that computer science or technology is not for them then that's okay but at least they've had the opportunity to taste it and to get a feel for what it's about Um, alternatively for some students then it's it's almost like a light bulb moment it's something that they never realised that they would be interested in or good at and suddenly we have provided them with a platform that they can really um, develop their skills and uh, pursue their interests and are there any particular projects that you've seen over the last few days that you've gone, wow, that's that's absolutely fantastic? Yeah, some of the students in the, even a short space of time, like an hour, have come up with amazing projects and, and, you know, little animations or a very small game, but they've managed to put it together so quickly. Um, and the pace that students work and, and how quickly they pick up a concept never ceases to amaze me, um, you know, providing that they're being introduced to it in the right way and, and allowed um, the autonomy and the independence to go and learn by themselves and be creative they just come up with some amazing projects and and they have great ideas so it's it's fantastic to see not just what they produce but how they go about it and how they work together and how they get so energetic about about the ideas that they're doing and uh sort of on one last point you have to look at the role of teachers in this that you know this is this is where it's really going to happen is if you get enough teachers on board have you experienced any pushback from educators going look we, we really don't need this stuff in our classroom. We've got enough going on as it is. Yeah, I mean, some teachers are hesitant. In fact, a lot of teachers are, especially when you mention technology or, at worst, if you mention coding, you know, a lot of teachers are immediately put off. But in CS First especially, and in some of our other websites, we have another website called Exploring Computational Thinking, which is about introducing teachers to computational thinking concepts and how they can apply them across lots of subject areas, because that's a skill that we use every day at Google across all of our product areas. And so it's a really important 21st century skill 
for students to have. So um, our resources are really designed for teachers who may not have that background, who may not have developed these skills before and who may have the fear or the lack of confidence to really engage the materials. We've designed them in such a way that there's plenty of resources and materials and a real scaffold there for the teacher um, to feel confident and able to do this with their students. And I think once teachers try it, take that first brave step and see how much the students enjoy it and how they excel and in fact how the teachers often have to do very little except introduce them to the resource and then see what happens, uh, then then they're bought in and they absolutely love it and the feedback from teachers who have taken the step to try it has been hugely positive. So looking forward to more of them continuing to use it in the classroom going forward. Great, thanks very much Claire. Hey, just at random, uh, I've met Dr. Damon Berry from uh, DIT, from the School of Electrical Engineering. And uh, we talked recently about robo-rugby, which is uh, sort of a third-level phenomenon. But we're finding that there are sort of similar competitions, I guess you might say, trickling down even to primary level. So if you could tell us a little bit about RoboSlam. Okay, uh, so RoboSlam started actually as an undergraduate module in DIT, which we run for our first engineers. Um, This year we've put 180 first engineers through the program. It's a 12-week module and it's all about creativity and electronics and trying to bring together the various parts of an engineering project in a team setting. So the challenges there are about team dynamics, mechanical engineering, getting the motor sized, looking at torque and, and speed and all of those sort of things. And one of the things that occurred to us about two years ago was that um, you could take some of those things and package them down into a very concentrated uh, workshop for younger younger students. And in fact, we've had students as young as six, believe it or not, run run this uh, this particular workshop. Um, so you know, basically, the idea is we get a collection of fairly inexpensive components. The whole kit costs about sixteen euros, and we put them down into a bag. And three and a half hours later. Hey, presto, you have a working robot. And these robots can push each other off a table. So it's following the tradition of sumo. Robo sumo is a robotic sumo wrestler. It can push an opponent robot off a table. And so very much we, we try to get away from the more packaged, uh, you know, commoditized type of robot that you see, uh, you know, you can buy on off the shelf and break it down to the individual discrete components And that's for a number of reasons. One, we wanted to keep the price down as as absolutely low as we could. We're aiming ultimately to get a robot that's 10 euros or less. Um, And secondly, we feel that having individual discrete components takes away all the magic or the apparent magic of, oh, yeah, you know, the secret to the thing is in that package component there. So we give, you know, individual components and a breadboard. They put it all together. They send a program down a serial link and the, the program thinks for itself and stays on the table. And uh, how, I mean, you say that sort of robots can be made with, within hours. So uh, how long does it take the actual principles to, to sink in with someone that, you know, a child can go, actually, that's, that's not as good a motor because X, let's, let's go with this one instead. At what point does that sort of intuition um, kick in? Well, well, I would say straight away. And, um, you know, I mean, one of the, the nice things about it is that, well, we do it in a stage where they start off with a blinking LED. So they get the idea of the principles of LED operation that if you put the LED in the wrong way around, the polarity of the LED won't allow the LED to come on. So, you know, they're getting those things as they go organically as part of the workshop. Um, and then later on, when you have the robots pushing each other, they'll quickly see that if they, you know, if they were to change the torque, if you had, if you had a machine with a different gearing ratio um, versus, you know, torque would beat speed 
for example. And that's something that they can that can be part of the experience. You can mix them two different torque ratios and have a slower robot pushing a faster robot off the table. And of course, you know, the, this is a, a semi-competitive endeavour, I suppose. I mean, uh, do people's c- competitive instincts kick in as well? Well, certainly when we have adult workshops, uh, the, the adults get rather noisy at times. And um, we, we recently had a workshop in, uh, in DIT, in the research centre in Focus, and the engineers and the scientists were battling it out, and it was quite a lot of noise. <laughs> Great. Thanks a lot, Dr. Berry. Okay, thank you. I'm on a very noisy uh, exhibition floor at the moment uh, to have a word with Mary Maloney, who is the global CEO of Coder Dojo. And it's very important to emphasize the global element now, isn't it? It is now, because four years ago, when the idea was started by James Felton, who was 18 at the time, and Bill Lau, it was very much an Irish-originated idea, and the very first dojo was in Cork. But now, in April 2015, we're in 58 countries with almost 700 dojos around the world. So it's very much a global movement at the moment. And uh, I've collared you particularly because there's a very interesting project uh, at your table. If you can describe what I'm looking at at the moment. Yes, so right now we have a scratch game that a child coded. And it's like a flappy bird game. And the kids use, typically if um, they're playing it, they would use the space bar on the laptop or PC to play the game. By hitting the space bar, it makes the little bird move. But what we've done is we've used a makey-makey kit. And we've attached that and connected it into the laptop. And they're now able to use fruit and jellies and sweets and pears, bananas, potatoes if we had them, as controllers instead of actually having to touch the keyboard at all. So it creates a circuit and the kids learn that by holding hands they can extend the circuit so lots of kids can hold hands and still get to play the game and one person gets to be in charge of pressing the button or pressing the little metal circuit. And how difficult was this to put together? What's the budget on this now for any any parents with easily bored children? Yeah, it's actually the Makey Makey kit itself. It comes in a little green box. You can buy them in some electrical stores, electronic stores. They cost about 40 euro, so they're not too expensive. Um, And you can reuse them. You can do lots of different things with them. You can play around with them. They come with a whole little box that you just connect the connectors to, and then you connect those connectors to any object that you want to use. So you can use it to play keyboards. You can use it to play any games that there are on anything that actually you use a keyboard for. So it just takes the keyboard out of the equation and lets kids play with objects instead of keys, which is quite fun. And one thing I have to ask you about now is uh, Microsoft's new involvement in Coder Dojo. If you'd just like to tell us a little bit about what they will uh, we'll be working on with you. Yes, yeah, so Microsoft came on board to help support the growth of Coder Dojo around Europe. We're um, very accessible and active in some countries. In other countries, um, we have very few dojos, and we want to be able to reach as many kids as possible around the world, not just in Europe. So the specific Microsoft um, arrangement is that they will open dojos in their offices. They'll help um, by providing tools and content to any of the adults or kids who want to use software to learn things about coding and learn things about technology. So the the model is basically that they open up their resources, of which there are 25,000 tech employees who will mentor, who will champion, and who will host dojos at Microsoft offices, and then giving us access for our community to use some of the tools and learning tools that they have available to introduce kids to technology and code. Thank you, Mary. 
I'm back on the show floor with uh, Alexandra MacDonald from the Irish Computer Society, and she's been showing off a, a kind of an applied way to deal with technology in the classroom called Klishta. So tell us a little bit about what's going on here. Klishta is a digital literacy program that we've developed in-house uh, for primary schools, uh, specifically for third class and up. And what it is, it's a program um, that provides a platform for the teacher to incorporate ICT skills into their classroom. And the program basically includes a set of lesson plans and resources that are accompanied by a yearly plan and schemes of work that a teacher can follow um, and uh, basically provides a platform for them to incorporate these uh, skills into other subjects. So the program is cross-curricular, which means that it makes it easy for the teacher to implement these lesson plans in parallel with another subject. So if the teacher's looking for a science um, lesson plan or maths or even Guelga, we've got a lesson plan covered for them. So uh, this is very much sort of something on top or something as an aid to what you're doing as opposed to, you know, this is, this is how Irish works now because we're using technology. We definitely try to promote digital literacy, and um, we've done it in an inclusive way that we'd like to promote it in all the different subjects within the curriculum. There's 11 subjects, and so the the teacher, it's a very flexible program, so the teacher can... um, incorporated into their classroom by either following the yearly plan or following the three strands. Um, And that's the more practical approach possibly, which is learning the basics of computers and then learning the applications, so learning how to use the the computer programs as a tool, as a learning tool. And then the last strand would be the more Um, kind of worldly uh, approach to it which is learning how to be a digital citizen so everything touches upon cyberbullying and keeping your settings private and important information children need to know now to be responsible. And just on that point of cyberbullying, it can be quite quite nebulous really, can't it? Absolutely, I mean I have a little boy and who was playing a game online and um, his game got hacked into and our iTunes got hacked and next thing we know that we got, um, you know, charged over a thousand euro. And in addition to that, you know, there was a common stream and, and he was getting bullied and he was only 10 and he was so little and you never think that's going to happen to your own child. But we need, this is the time really that you, we need to teach our children you know, about private settings, telling them not to keep, give away their passwords, what to do in the event that something like this happens to prepare them, really, for it, you know, from happening at all. And what kind of feedback have you gotten from teachers in the classroom so far? Well, we have over 600 schools um, we, whom we've provided the demo to, and we have quite a, a few schools that have adopted the program, which is fantastic, and um, they, they do love it. They, they absolutely think it's a great program. Everything is done for them. I mean, we were literally giving them uh, the whole program, uh, you know, the platform for the program uh, with step-by-step lesson plans and guides, and in addition, we also provide a support hotline, so if they do need any uh, help implementing it, we're there to help. Thank you. 
identifying you today. I'm here with Adam Harris, who's very much an interesting person to talk to at the end, seeing as uh, he's one of the people that uh, is kind of responsible for uh, Tech Week here at Dublin Castle. He is the uh, ambassador, I guess, is your official title. So if you can tell us a little bit about what's been going on today in general. Well, I suppose it's it's great to be here at Tech Week, and I suppose one of the things they've tried to do by appointing uh, Tech Week ambassadors is to kind of, I suppose, mainstream this and show its relevance to all aspects of life. Um, so I am the founder of an online support agency for those affected by autism in Ireland, and obviously it's a very apt uh, timing of an event for us because we're at the conclusion, the very last day of World Autism Month, uh, where we're trying to engage people. And of course, there's a, a huge correlation between autism and between the tech sector with so many people affected by autism proving to be great employees in the sector um, but I suppose what's, what's really exciting today is, is about showcasing tech and I think particularly importantly um, exposing young people to tech at a young age and showing that not only can they use this technology but that they can shape it, they can form it uh, they can make it happen uh, so specifically, what's been going on here in Dublin Castle? I, I gather there's been a few competitions have, have come to an end. Absolutely. Well, I think what, what's happening really here today is it's really serving as a hub for all the various tech events that, happen, that are happening in schools around the country. So we have the F1 in schools, we have the Girls Hackathon, uh, we have representatives from Coder Dojo and the Scratch Awards. And what it's really just all about is showing young people who are really punching well above their weight in, in this world, you know. Um, and I suppose this is an opportunity to showcase that. And I think once again, and really to show as well how the internet can be used for social good. I think it's another thing that's quite relevant to, as a social entrepreneur who runs an organisation helping people with autism. I see what tech can do at a very low cost level but with a big impact in terms of reaching a market that we couldn't have reached in the space of two years if we weren't online. I think that's a message that really has to get out there and has to get out to young people from a very young age because we talk about empowering young people. I think there's nothing more empowering at the moment than the tech space to achieve social change. And when sir, we talk about the, the, percent, the potential of people to start social enterprises and such. Uh, at what stage do you sort of get people involved in the fundamentals, be it a, a coder dojo or maybe volunteering or something like that? Well, I think the younger the better. Um, I think the important thing is, you know, I, I, I'm always resistant to the idea that you have to sit down and come up with an idea. I think I, if you expose a person and give them the skill set and then enable them, I suppose, as they meet a problem in society, be it a, a commercial problem, be it a social problem, that they can then use the internet to affect change in that area. And uh, there's actually been a pretty pretty uh, loud, boisterous, and above all, very uh, impressive turnout here yes. today. Um, is, is it the same like this all, all around the country? Well, I mean, I think we're seeing more and more and more of this. Um, I think one of the things that's slowly beginning to happen is the education system could be something that's slow to change, and it can be difficult to change. But more and more, and I think year on year, we're seeing more and more tech in schools, and we're seeing the potential for that in so many regards, from how people learn to how people can access educa education, to also, I think, very, very basic things to different learning styles, and how you can understand understand that people learn differently so for example the development of technology is is having a huge role in enabling people to, to learn and to engage with education who have autism so I think the more we help schools to engage with this it has a lot of it's more than just wow it's really great to use an iPad in school or it's really great to have access to computers it's about that it can totally revolutionize someone's experience of education and when you have sort of uh, sponsors like Google coming here, uh, naturally enough, they're advancing their own products, perhaps their own agendas as well. Um, to, to which extent can you go, look, let's park all that. This is, these are actually legitimately good tools. It's not necessarily about getting Google into every classroom. Yes. It could be Microsoft, it could be an Apple. Well, I think one of, the, one of the important messages is, obviously, these are brands that young people connect with and that are really useful. But I think the other, th the other message today is empowerment and that, yes, well, there's Google here and there's all the other major organizations 
you could build one that's the next one and you can do that too and we're providing you with the skill set to become that next organization so i think some of the the large organizations here today could be seeing their future competitors you know excellent thanks so much adam thank you very much and that was Niall Kitson at Dublin Castle talking to several of the people involved in Tech Week. Uh, I hate to say it, <laughs> I hate to quote Whitney Houston on this show, but I believe the children are our future. And the scary thing is, it's true. But it's as we hear from that, it's uh, it's looking good. It's looking up. I love it. That is it for our Tech Radio show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can get hourly updates on tech news along with daily newsletters from techcentral.ie as well as our weekly Tech Radio show online and every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Have a brilliant bank holiday weekend and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com Tech Central.